0: Today on episode number 244 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Michael Britt shares about how to create online mashups that ignite curiosity. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Hello and welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahoviak. And this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. Today on episode number 244, I'm thrilled to be welcoming to the show Michael Britt, He is a fellow podcaster and is the host of the popular podcast, The Psych Files, which has been running since 2007 and was a Merlot Award winner in 2014. He obtained his PhD in social and industrial psychology in 1991 from the University of Albany. Michael taught psychology full-time for 10 years at Marist College before moving into online work with Pearson and now with Cengage. In 2016, he authored his first book, Psych Experiments, a book that gives psychology teachers 50 ideas that students can conduct doable research. He's tech-obsessed, as you're going to find out in this episode, a tinkerer, and loves experimenting with online learning tools. Michael, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed.
1: Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited because I'm a huge fan.
0: Oh, I'm really enjoying getting to know your work, too. I was chuckling when I saw that you were a Merlot Award winner. I am as well. And when I got their email, I thought it was spam. (laughs) I almost didn't do anything with it because I thought, well, I don't drink wine. And I think they're a little <laughs> just, I didn't quite get it, you know, and it was one of those inferiority complex. No, I could never win an award. <laughs> but lo and behold, here we did. We did it. We have other things in common, too. We like to experiment with technology. And I wonder if you might share a little bit first, kind of how you start, started to get to do this and some of maybe the early iterations of your work in tinkering with online tools.
1: Well, you know, um, one of my earliest memories is having a a tech support guy come to my office because I needed some work on my computer. So he's looking through my computer and he says, have you ever seen a program you did not download? (laughs) I just like, you know, when new little doohickeys and widgets and, you know, things come out, I'm like, I wonder what I could do in a teaching way with that little thing. And so I just download a bunch of stuff. I mean, I always think first, pedagogically, what is it I want my students to get out of this? And then I think, okay, so what tools do I have at my disposal?
0: You are a better person than me because I start with, oh my gosh, isn't this amazing? <laughs> before before I, I, do, I, do, I get with the playing part, I have to get that out of my system and then I can settle myself down and actually ask the real question. <laughs> They're so fun sometimes what people come up with that you can do. And one of the things we're going to be talking about in this episode is the idea of doing what you call a mashup. I mean, you're not the only one who calls it that, but just this idea of mashing two tools together. Would you speak a little bit about maybe your earlier memories of when you started to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first mashup tools was probably uh, if this, then that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool tool where you just you connect different services to each other to get something that you want. So if you want to, it really works well with RSS feeds. You know, if you want news of a particular type, you could actually kind of plug in using if if this then that. There's another one called Zapier and you just tell it. okay. well, you don't tell it. You can move little blocks around. And you tell it, the, OK, I want this information from The New York Times and this from CNN and I want this from over here. And and it kind of puts them all together in one pipe and, and sends it to you. And that was, I don't know, when did that start? Maybe the early aughts. Uh, something like that. Um, That's what I call them. What do you call the early 2000s?
0: (laughs) Early 2000s. (laughs) (laughs) I like your way better. It sounds fancy, though. The if this, then that. If people ever wanted to experiment with one of these, it's a great one. I have a real simple one set up. If the forecast calls for rain tomorrow, we live in Southern California, it hardly rains here. So I want to remember to bring an umbrella and a raincoat if it's going to rain. And so it will just send me a quick email the day before a forecast calls for rain. And that's a really simple one you could set up in less than a minute using if this then that. And then you can start to get a little bit deeper. You mentioned Zapier. That's one that I'm really planning on diving into in terms of automating some of the podcast workflow. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that they have now a Microsoft equivalent of this. My my school is an Office 365. And so one of the things that was bothering me is that I use a different task manager. I use one that's Mac specific. And now I was able to hire an administrative assistant. So she's using Planner, it's Microsoft Planner, which is inside of Microsoft Teams, and it was sort of bothering me that I'd have to log all the way in and then enter a task, or she would have to do the same thing. And I found that on Microsoft Flow, which Microsoft Flow is very similar to if this then that, I could set it up where if I set send an email that shows up in a certain place that has starts with a subject line of T O D O colon. And then anything else can follow that and any notes that I want associated with that task or that she does. And so it's really fun to play with these tools and you can start small and then, and then get really big. You've got a lot where you've gone beyond what I can do with um, many of the tools you're going to talk about today, but I encourage people to take kind of a playful attitude with it and experiment with them. And they're not going to break. <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You, a lot of you could run a test and if it doesn't work, you just kind of tinker. And then they have so many good communities too of people up there that have shared their own recipes or whatever they call the the little the little steps on these various services.
1: You're really doing computer programming. You're just, you're doing if and then and or statements. You're just not doing it with curly brackets and parentheses and all the other kind of raw raw computing.
0: Yeah, we get to skip that part, <laughs> which I like. So let's talk about, why don't you just introduce one tool that you like to tinker with in the mashup and then maybe another tool that you like to mash it up with just to give us kind of an example of how this how this might work. Okay. Well, I think
1: maybe I'll go from one that uses just one tool to one that uses maybe three or four. But uh, one that was really a lot of fun recently was using Microsoft Excel online. So you can create a, a sheet as you would do in Excel, uh, but you can embed that sheet. So you got to go through a couple of clicks, but you can get the embed code and you can tell it to allow people to edit the Excel sheet without changing your original. So this is cool. And so t- I, I found some data. I mean, I try to do, I mean, I try to follow the, uh, suggestions of Ken Bain, you know, I became obsessed with his book and then, I think that's one of the ways I became, uh, you know, obsessed with your podcast is because I wanted to I wanted to watch and, and hear all things Ken Bain and so, because he's on Vimeo and he's, uh, you know, he's on YouTube and, and then I found him on, uh, on your podcast. So, I just love his idea of teaching a topic by first kind of drawing students in with an intro, you know, really interesting question And then before you tell them, okay, look, well, okay, yeah, that's, here's the answer. Uh, You know, you you draw them further in or actually kind of draw them out to find out, well, what is it you think about this topic? What if this would happen? Or what if that would happen? And and get them to to really get into it rather than just saying, what is it from Ferris Bueller? uh, Questions? (laughs) What does he say? What is the front of the class? Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) Anyone? You know, after (laughs) you ask your question. So I teach for many years, i taught introductory psychology, statistics and research methods, you know, the interesting stuff. Reteaching stats was really, it was great in that it really challenged me to come up with something interesting or else I'm going to lose. Yeah. But I had a data set that showed that, well, actually this summer I watched Mission Impossible fall out and I noticed something I've noticed before, maybe a lot of your listeners have, which is that I know Tom Cruise is in his kind of late 50s. (laughs) what well, his love interest is always about in a, about 32 years old or something like that so sure enough someone else had noticed this and she just went into the internet movie database and and extracted Tom Cruise's age at each one of his movies from like 1980 or something and the age the actual age of his love interest in the movie and um, <laughs> so I uh, feel like
0: this is not going to a good place. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, first of all, you could ask your students if if they've noticed this about Tom Cruise. Yeah. So interesting, if you plot it, you find that it's it's actually a correlation. The overall correlation is 0.72, so it's not that bad. But what happens is for about the first, up until the age 40, it's a stronger correlation than that, uh, like 0.8 something. And then after Tom Cruise turns 40, the, the correlation starts to, to much go much lower to like 0.37. So the data is interesting. And so what I did simply was to put these 30 uh, rows of data into a, an Excel online sheet and then plucked out the embed code. And that's probably, the, you know, the embed code, you know, iframe. There isn't much for all of these mashups. There isn't much in the way of coding uh, that you have to know.
0: I think most people listening will know this, but the embed code, knowing what an embed code is changes your life (laughs) as an educator, whether you're teaching online classes or in person that you want to enhance with online things, because it just lets us have a picture frame that sees another part of the web, but in an environment I'm already in. So I'm already in the learning management system, or I'm already on your website or whatever. And then this embed code just shows me a picture of somewhere else on the web. The classic one would be embedding a YouTube video. But in this Mm -hmm. case, you're talking about embedding an Excel online sheet. You don't want me to have to click over to excel online get out of in the middle of what I'm doing, because you're you're presenting this mystery to me and and it's a playful mystery of what do I think that would happen with the age of Tom Cruise's co-stars. And then you were talking a little bit about how it lets us edit the spreadsheet without messing with your original. And I'm curious more about that because I have not played with that very much. All the things I've tried with with embedding Excel or Word or or PowerPoint, it allows them to edit or it doesn't. Like it's it's one or the other. So tell me more about this. I can mess with the data as a student, but I'm not going to mess your original up.
1: Right. Yeah. It's an option when you when you go through the steps. I think I have a video on this that shows okay, click here and here and here. And it says, you know, allow editing but preserve original. Then it finally gives you the glob of embed code, which I mean, if you look at it, a lot of it is like, oh, okay, width equals 600, height equals you know, it's not too complicated. The rest of the stuff, you don't, I mean, you really don't have to even look at it. Just mm-hmm. take it, the glob of text, and then put it into a page on your, in your LMS or whatever it is, your blog, whatever you're using. And what it does is it just shows the student the spreadsheet. And then, and, and so that's cool. But again, and, and again, trying to go with Ken Bain what could students do with this? And so you could ask them to remove some data. So remove all the data after, you know, age 41 for Tom Cruise. What's the correlation before that? What is it after that? And then you could even say, look, let's create a negative correlation because, you know, you can see if you're teaching correlation, you can see the multiple choice question. You know, maybe you have a scatter plot and you ask them what it is. But instead, in this case, do they know how to create a negative correlation between, say, you know, crime and ice cream sales or whatever we do to demonstrate or talk about correlations? And they can. And what's they can just change the numbers and the scatter plot will change along with it. And that's just a great, if you're teaching online, especially, so you don't have any in-person contact. There's ways, you know, I was I'm so discouraged. I read a, a survey results, I think it was educause a couple of years ago. And the overwhelming majority of professors just use their LMS, whatever it might be, just for, you know, kind of, I, I don't know, you put your syllabus there, your PowerPoint files and, and, and uh, some YouTube video. Well, it, it can be more than that. So that's what the mashups are about. So that's probably the easiest one, just Excel and, you know, your, your LMS or your blog.
0: One of the other techniques that you're mentioning is someone closely associated with Ken Bain, and that's James Lang. In his book, Small Teaching, he talks a lot about using prediction. So you might ask, What do I think has happened with Tom Cruise's age of co stars as he has aged over the years? And you do that before I even see, before I might even know anything about correlation, before I might understand those numbers, but you're just asking a question of something that I might. I might not be desperately curious about, but you're definitely going to get a chuckle out of me. And then you might have them, if if you're teaching students that are younger than you, and maybe Tom Cruise isn't their celebrity, you could have them think about, well, and how do you think that's different or the same with, you know, who are your couple of favorite celebrities? And uh, that might be kind of a fun thing to have people predict, but that really draws us in to the exercise. So in terms of this skill set that you're talking about, I would need to know how to build a spreadsheet. I would need to understand that Excel has both a, a version that's on my computer, but also one that's online. And then I would need to know how to grab the embed code. So it's, a sh- it's an option under the share button. And uh, away I go. I can now start to have it where they see it right inside of the learning management system without having to go out of it. And they can type into it and they can do it. And I'm not ruining my my original there. Right. Yeah.
1: Best questions like that. You can have your students play around with that data. I mean, It's, I mean, it's fun.
0: Another one I know you enjoy using is ThingLink. And I've seen and played with other people's ThingLinks, but haven't created one of my own yet. And I probably should think about that for the spring because it's relatively easy to do and and something that is uh, different and and unexpected uh, comes out of it. Why don't you talk a little bit about ThingLink?
1: Yeah, definitely check this one out. There's a few of these that I pay for, and ThingLink is one of them. They have an educator account. These not not expensive at all, but at the the very basic level, you just take an image and you can plop uh, little dots on it, and then you could put links to other things or another image could pop up. They now do it with videos, so now the video will pause and you can ask the student questions. And then again, all you do there, I mean, you could just simply grab the link, but, but as you mentioned, this means if you put that link in your LMS, you're sending them off into the internet God knows what's going to happen out there. So the more that you grab the embed code, the more you keep them right in the learning environment. So ThingLink's a cool one. I used that, actually I was playing with that with the Coco, the gorilla one.
0: Yes. Although I must say this is the saddest moment I may have had on the podcast because you, you did exactly what you have promised. You drew me in. I love Coco. I love Coco. I have loved Coco since I first heard about, I was going to call Coco an elephant. Coco is not an elephant. Coco is a gorilla. Gorilla or chimpanzee? Gorilla. And anyway, you totally drew me in. <laughs>
1: yeah, I had, look, I was a big fan of Coco and Washu. And, and So when she died of old age, there were a lot of you know, headlines. Uh, Coco the gorilla who mastered sign language. And so when you dig in, you find out that she didn't master sign language at all. There, there, I mean, there was, she had to have a large set, I think it was a couple hundred, of signs. But when you, when you dig in there, you find out that... If you watch the videos really carefully, and if you're not a typical, uh, you know, video would be one where you're watching uh, Coco. But there's also this wonderfully wonderful uh, classical music playing in the background, and the narrator is 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 attributing thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. This is what Coco wants. This is she wants this. She wants that. And and I try to talk to my students about anthropomorphizing all the time. you know, we, we've got, If we're going to be scientists, we have to be able to look at things in some objective way. It's, it's going to be hard to know how much and in what ways Coco really thought and felt. But if we watch the videos, we do see some, some reinforcements, some modeling. Sometimes Coco will say something that absolutely has nothing to do with what's going on with, with her. And then the trainer will just say, oh, stop being silly. You know, that's – so there's a – so anyway, I wanted my students to just kind of think about this whole thing. And so I think it's an interesting topic. So there's the sort of the Ken Bain part of it. But how do I organize my, you know, my resources? And so that's where I first used a tool called Padlet. I then moved on to a tool called Wakelet. The left part, I guess, is what lets you know these are all small, but it's really into planning. So you say to mm-hmm. yourself, okay, what do I want my students to see first or to think about first? And so I, I found the URLs to the YouTube, two YouTube videos of Coco, the, the kind that with the music and the narration.
0: At this point, you're trying to set a stage. So you're you're either trying to surprise me. You're trying to bring me in. In this case, if I'm familiar with Coco, I've seen some background that it's, oh, I know who that is. And then if I don't know who Coco is, then then you're trying to familiarize me. And and so you're thinking really, I, I see in everything you've sent me, really trying to evoke some kind of emotion there.
1: Right. I, I could just say, look, here are the problems with you know the belief that Coco is... <laughs> And I could lecture on it, probably would because, you know, I, I did too much of it. But instead, I think in this case, you would say, you know, this uh, Coco just died. Let's take a look at some of the videos and then getting to what you just said. So the next thing, next step in that process is really getting learning or getting students to bring out of them. What do so what do you think? What do you feel before I get on to any of the somewhat more? pessimistic interpretations. First, I want to hear what the students think. Now, online, you can do that with a survey. So you can use a poll everywhere, for example. You can use uh, Google Forms it is great because it's so easy to use. So I'm thinking, first I'm thinking through the, what I want the experience to be. Watch these two videos. Commit on a one-question survey to a 10-point scale. To what degree do you think Coco uses language the way human beings do? Okay. So we have that. And then what I want to have happen, well, I don't want to come out and say, well, no, you're wrong or whatever. I said, <laughs> well, what videos might plant some doubts in their
0: head? Yeah. And by the way, you're you're saying videos, these are incredibly short.
1: Right. And so knowing knowing that little bit of code that you can add to a YouTube video and start equals and end equals is really valuable stuff because <laughs> no one would your students are you know they're not going to sit through these long videos find the the 30 seconds the minute video that says what i wanted to say and so i got a video of let's see, one of them was bf skinner with his where he trained uh pigeons to play ping pong and he explains that he did this using reinforcement, you know, the, the pigeons appear to be playing ping pong with each other, it all looks so wonderful. They got a little green board, they're knocking a the ball back and forth, and then you learn that they were trained separately simply to peck the ball in the other direction. And so that's one. Then I talked about, then I showed them a brief clip about Clever Hans, that's the horse who supposedly counted by, uh, you know, hitting his hoof against the ground. Uh, However, they found out that he was actually uh, looking to his trainer to when to stop. And then one third video was just about a movie that I found online called, was it called Tire? Not Tire. It was about a tire, a whole movie about a tire. (laughs) And just the way they move the tire around, it makes you think, hey, the tire is mad now. I mean, we can anthropomorphize to just about anything. So without lecturing, so I started thinking, I think maybe padlet is right or uh, Wakelet is right because what it allows me to do is put the videos in, then put a survey in, then put these, and then just say to the students, a little bit of text, okay, consider this now, and then throw a couple other videos at them. And then another survey, I'll go to Google Forms, so easy. And then I'll say to them, now, what do you think? And they can vote and then look at what other students voted, it's anonymous. In the end, you know, from there, you can go anywhere you as the instructor want to go. I mean, they can write a paper on it. They can answer some questions about it, you know, short paper kind of thing. But what you've done is you've created with, with this mashup of Google Forms, Wakelet, YouTube. You've just created a little package, a little learning experience.
0: How much are you tracking the completion of various activities, it would seem not a good use of time to track every little thing, every click or every input. Inside of the learning management, to what extent is it important to you to track that I, as your student, have done something inside of this exercise?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you mash together tools, then all of the analytics on your student's behavior are not all going to be in your LMS anymore. So you,
0: um, nor would you want them to though right i mean you're walking me through something you're igniting my curiosity but i would imagine just in terms of you want to think about in advance as you're designing this what do you really want and need to track
1: yeah i mean I, you could use this mashup in, in a in person uh, way and you're just you're displaying it on the screen mm. But every semester, all you got to do is kind of pick up the, uh, the code there and then slop it into somewhere else. And, and you've, you could change a few things if you want. Or you can take, and I can give you links to some of these things. You could take what I put together and just grab my uh, link, create your own Wakelet account, and then say, Well, I don't want that video. I don't want, you know, just change it. It's yours now. So there's a lot of playing around to be had there.
0: Well, this is the point in the show where we each get to give recommendations and I'm going to recommend that people experiment with if this, then that, or with one of the tools that you shared about there's um, Zapier. And I also mentioned Microsoft flow, but just getting to be a little bit playful, but also starting small. So if you haven't yet set up a rule and if this, then that about if it's going to rain tomorrow, that's a handy thing to know, at least if you don't look at the weather as infrequently as I do. So that would be something I would recommend. And I wanted to mention that today's sponsor for the episode is Text Expander, but I haven't talked about them yet. And the reason is because, unbeknownst to Michael, he wanted to recommend Text Expander without even receiving any financial remuneration from them. So I'm going to pass it over to Michael for his recommendation of Text Expander, but also thank them for sponsoring today's episode.
1: Yeah, I've been using this for uh, at least five years. When you there are some tools. When you start using them, you're like, "Well, what the heck? How come I haven't been? Why did anybody tell me about this?" (laughs) And so, text expander really simple. You just create little. Really, they're like abbreviations, but they could be. They could even be rather complex fill-ins. In fact, I'll send you a link to a video I created where I show instructors how they can. If especially if you're sending the same message several times with a few keyboard clicks, you just have to change the student's name, change the grade that you're giving them, maybe, and it fills in. Uh, you know, in this case, in this example, uh, an email to them. But I mean, I never write out. I don't even write out the word psychology. I you know, I just write py. I don't have to remember my uh, links to various things, so it just saves. You know, you got to try it. And and then I'm sure you'll be like, okay, yeah, this is cool.
0: Yeah. And they've even got a Teams edition where you could, if you had a group of people you needed to work with and needed some consistency around the language that you used, whether that's with students or whether that's with clients, I mean, it, it makes a big difference. And really, you can iterate over time and refine those snippets because as you make the language better or improve things, or perhaps even automate more, I, I learned how to now type in the subject line and then have it come down, you know, hit the tab key, which essentially brings it down into the body of the email. And then you can have variables come up, like you mentioned the name of the student. So dear, and then a box will pop up student name or podcast guest <laughs> really automates things. And some people think that's really impersonal, but to me, it frees us up to be more personal sometimes people say, you know, how do you do the podcast? Well, first of all, it is a lot of hard work. I won't, I won't say that it's not. But there are ways to make it easier when we have tools like text expander. So yeah, they're, they're great. Try them out. I would talk about them. And we did actually talk about them on the show. That's how they found out about us. Because <laughs> we talked about them on the show before they ever helped us out with our, our expenses on the show. So I know you've got more, though. I'm excited to hear your couple of other recommendations.
1: Well, of course, everybody should be using a password manager. I don't, you know, if you haven't been hacked yet, you will. Don't try to remember the same passwords and don't use the same password again and again. You, know, you install this program on your computer and it, saves, it, it creates random passwords. Really, you've got to protect yourself. And if you're logging into your LMS and then you're logging into Google and you're logging into, the, you're wasting so much time. So have that private information uh, held by a, a password manager. And the other thing you've got to have, at least I think, is a clipboard manager. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people know what that is. I mean, you know that if you hit Control-C or Command-C, your computer remembers just one thing. But if you have like a whole bunch of things you want it to remember on this page and then you need to go over to that page, well, clipboard managers, they just, they remember the last 50 things you did. And so now you don't have to go back to that web page in order oh where was that and then you got to look for it again again it's all about time saving and I know you're into productivity. And clipboard managers just you just go up you say oh yeah that's what I want, that's what I want and you're saving crap a load of time.
0: What blows my mind is that a lot of the clipboard managers are both on your computer and they're on your phone at the same time. So if I copied something on my phone, In many cases, with the clipboard manager, it's available on the clipboard on my computer or vice versa. And that's, I mean, that's just remarkable to me.
1: Yeah, great tools.
0: Well, thank you so much, Michael, for getting in touch and suggesting this episode on creating online mashups that ignite curiosity. You've given us so much to think about. I was actually afraid to talk to you today because I thought, oh gosh, I have so much that's not the fun stuff to do part of my job. <laughs> so I was thought when I get off the phone with him, I'm gonna wanna just yeah. instantly go and start to play. But I have to just sit on that temptation and instead put that off as my reward for when I finish the stuff that, I, that I'm that i not as energized about doing. But I've just loved the conversation and the imagination you have is remarkable.
1: That's why we do these podcasts. I mean, I've been podcasting a long time. It's it's fun, but it is a lot of work. But if anybody's listening or if anyone's saying, you know, I'd like to try that. I don't know where to start. You know, just feel free to get in touch with me. And I blog at, a, at the Cengage blogging community. I've got my podcast. I mean, if you just put Michael Britt Psychology, <laughs> you'll probably... I mean, I've been online for a lot of time, so you'll find me.
0: Thank you so I'm much, happy. Michael. Michael Britt, thank you for coming on to Teaching in Higher Ed for episode number 244 and giving us so much inspiration to be even working harder at igniting our students' curiosity. I've got lots of things to think about for upcoming classes. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you'd like to get the links to all of the things that Michael and I shared during the episode, you can go to teaching slash 244. I think an even better option is to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you automatically get those show notes and also an article about teaching or productivity authored by me, you can subscribe at teaching in higher Ed dot com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time for episode 245.